Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Weigh In Sports Talk. I'm your host, Brian Tarvin. And man, what a crazy weekend of sports we've had. We had to miss last weekend. I apologize. Family comes first, last minute. Um, actually, it wasn't the family this time. It was me. I had a bad allergic reaction to to seafood, believe it or not. I've, I've always eaten shrimp and loved it, but the last couple of times, I guess I've developed a huge allergy to it. So my face, face was like a 400-pound man for a few minutes. Uh, but we are back now, so I'm not going to let anything stop us tonight. Hopefully we can get through the show and, and talk about all the great stuff, the games today. My God, if you don't have the Red Zone channel, I don't know how you even watch football. I mean, there's so many things happening. Yeah, you can't watch all the games at once. I have the I have the red zone pack. I have the uh, what is it called? The NFL Sunday Ticket Max. So I get everything there is. But Carolina wasn't playing today, so I just sat in front of the red zone channel and watched that. And man, at the games that were going on, some crazy endings just now. The Bears pulled off a comeback win. The Broncos came back, scored a touchdown. One of the two got it. The Bears drove all the way down the field in just a few seconds to kick a game-winning field goal. Was you know there was one second on the clock they gave them back, and I don't I don't know the rule of that. But once once they hit the ground, when does the timeout actually happen? When the player signals for it, or when the referee acknowledges it? I always thought it's when the ref acknowledges the timeout. So maybe I'm wrong, but. I'm I'm a sports guy. I do refereeing and everything, but like in basketball, for instance, when I call, it's the clock and do whatever. It's not the clock stops when the official blows a whistle and raises his hand that he acknowledges that. So until that happens, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sure Cuervo is very happy and Quinn. I'm happy for them. I could care less if the Broncos or the Bears win. I'm not pulling for any of them. I did pick the Broncos. Just uh, They were at home early in the season. They usually win. They didn't. So, congrats to the Bears. At least somebody's team's not 0-2 like mine is. So, Cowboys win today. Pretty easy against Washington. Uh, we're going to talk about all these games for the most. Not all of them, but most of them. Tom Brady looked like a complete stud again. 43 to nothing over the pitiful Dolphins. My question is, though, why is Brady in the game in the fourth quarter when you have Jared Stidham that's a rookie? It would be a perfect time for him to get in and get some reps to see what he can do because Brady got sacked a few times today, and he kind of got up slow. He's not 28 anymore. He's 41, 42 years old. So you saw it today in New Orleans. Um, with, with Drew Brees going out. You saw it with the Steelers, with Ben going out. These older quarterbacks, they're getting injured, and they have no one to turn to. Now, I'm sure we're going to hear about Colin Kaepernick all week and how the NFL needs him, but I thought Leftwich did an okay job um, repre- replacing Drew Brees. I mean, it's hard to come in cold off the bench and actually play when you never expect to play. Um, the same thing for the Steelers. They they just went down, and Seattle took over the game once Ben went out, just like the Rams took over the game 
uh, when Breeze went out. So it, it's one of those things you have to have a good backup quarterback in, and not just that, you have to have them give them some reps. You don't in the NFL. It's rare that you get to play your backup quarterback when you're up forty-three nothing, or when you're up say it was thirty-six to nothing. It's time to play someone else. And maybe it's just Belichick wanting to be a jerk and shut him out and, and run the score up on him. Uh, this NFL, this early, I mean, it's hard to predict anyway. You look at the Tennessee Titans, the way they went on the road in Cleveland, got a big 30-point win last week, came home, played Indy without Andrew Luck and lost 19-17. to I mean, just just a pitiful performance by Tennessee in this game. I mean, you do not lose at home after winning by 30 on the road. Um, this doesn't happen. Jacksonville, ties Houston up late in the game, goes for two instead of kicking the extra point. I know the rule, um, but here's the deal. And I mean, the, the rule is go for two on the road if you're an underdog or whatever. Um, Jacksonville, that game was so low scoring. I think overtime, they could have won that. Put yourself in a position to win the game. Just extend it as long as possible. You're an underdog. You're playing on the road. Kick the extra point. Go into overtime and see what happens. I mean, you owe it to those players that played their ass off for that entire game to come in and and make sure that if you give a chance to win, I'm sure I'm sure the Jacksonville fans are not very happy. And I know if they'd have made it, it'd have been a hero. But I'm telling you. Jacksonville should have kicked the extra point. It's not like in college where you're playing a 35-point favorite and you're the underdog and you go for two just trying to win. But this is the NFL. I mean, you get an you get an overtime period um, to play. Both of you get the ball unless one of you goes down and scores a touchdown first. But maybe they just didn't think they could. I mean, they hadn't scored a touchdown all game until the last play. So. I don't know, but that's just me. Uh, Detroit with a phenomenal win today at home against the, the Chargers. Uh, Matt Stafford with a 35-yard touchdown pass, 7.22 left in the game to go up 13-10. to The Lions are now 1-0-1. Big win for Detroit. on Johnson with a big 30-plus-yard reception today for a touchdown. But, I mean, it was a defensive game. It was sloppy but it's still early in the season. Remember that. The defense is kind of dominated, but Matthew Stafford with a huge win um, and a bad loss for Drew Brees. I mean, not Drew Brees. Um, Philip Rivers, I apologize. I've watched so many football games today. Sonny got me on that Red Zone channel where I'm I'm getting confused. But even with Jacksonville going for two, even with Jackson, we're going for two. Why well, run it up the middle with four and a half? I mean, my God, who got you down there and scored that touchdown? That's what I want to know. Who got you made it all the way down the field? Throw the ball or kick the extra point. Don't run the ball up the middle to go for two. It's just Jacksonville pulled a Jacksonville today. And uh, we got a couple callers in. If you want in, press number one so I can see you. I'm just running over some NFL games real quick. We talked about the Bears coming from behind. They had the lead just about the whole game. Uh-oh, it happened again. The Broncos scored. The Bears are in trouble. And then the Bears 
come down the field and score in a miracle fashion, kick the field goal, and they won, man. This is a crazy NFL, and you talk about crazy. Green Bay wins 21-16 against Minnesota. They were up 21 to nothing, and guess what else? Another quarterback gets hurt, but but uh, Aaron Rodgers has a set on him. He actually stays in the game, and they pull it out 21-16. to The difference between Breeze and Roethlisberger and the man Aaron Rodgers, he's the man. He's not coming out. So kudos to Green Bay for getting the five-point win. And you talk about the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes, today just had a field day. Well, I know it was over 450 yards passing, four touchdowns. They were up 28 to 10 at halftime against the Raiders. They never scored again. Nobody did. Uh, Raiders jumped out 10-0 in this game. If I'm if I'm correct on this, and it was uh, it was good to see. It was good to see the way Kansas City responded on the road. I don't see anybody in this division touching Kansas City without their best receiver today. They still throw it all over the place and do what they want to do. So. Again, the biggest game of the day was a, a letdown. The Rams 27, New Orleans 9. Drew Brees goes out early, and you get a backup quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, in here. Funny, I mean, what do you think? You're a Jacksonville fan, right? What do you think of that two-point conversion? Well, the, the simple fact of the matter is they shouldn't win for it. Um, you, you're trying to get a win, Okay. You're, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars were completely lucky to even be in this game. So they should have went in and kicked the field goal. And I know they were on the road, and I get it. I understand that whole thing. But it, when, you, when you're not winning football games, that's, uh, that's where you've got you to gotta change your way of what you're doing. And instead, I know that the idea is on the road, go for the win. But, man, I wasn't a great big fan of that. If you're a fan, you're watching this, you're going, you know, that's not a great thing. If you watch the game with any kind of intelligence, yeah. knowing where they are, they're just not a good team right now. And Sonny, one thing, the, the reason I ought to kick the extra point is, I don't care if you're on the road or what in this time, it was a low-scoring game, and Jacksonville's defense was playing well, and their offense just started getting in rhythm, so... Play over time. Your defense has got a good handle on Houston's offensive line. They can't block anybody. I think if you go to overtime, yep. you've got a good chance to win this game. Give your players a chance, and your fans a chance to win. And I think Jacksonville, tell me if I'm wrong, wasn't there some words between a player um, on the defense going after the head coach for that decision, or was yeah, it something it was, else? It, no, no, no. That's exactly what. There were some words. No one's going to say anything about it, but it was the big man uh, Ramsey and uh, Doug Marone going yeah. at it a little bit. They're they're not going to talk about it in reality. They'll do that uh, wonderful, you know, you know, uh, politically correct thing. That's just not a good thing in reality, though. If you're if you're a Jaguar fan, that's something that you don't want to see, regardless. You want your team to be, you want your team and coach and players to be in unison. Obviously, they weren't. I'm not saying that you don't blow up at each other. That that happens all the time. But the simple fact of the matter is, he did it to Doug Marone, and it was saw, you know, via the cameras as well. So that's not a good thing. Yeah. So, so let me ask you your opinion on this. We see some important quarterbacks going down today with injuries. These older quarterbacks. 
And well, what's going to happen? I mean, you got Pittsburgh. You saw they, they did come back. Uh, they did close, but that game about got out of hand. Drew Brees goes out with New Orleans. They get beat by 18. Brady won 43 to nothing today. What in the world? With Aaron Rodgers getting hurt, he stayed in. But if you're at the New England Patriots, first of all, why do you play Brady for that long? And number two, what are these teams going to do about this quarterback situation? Because even Green Bay, you have to be concerned a little bit with Aaron Rodgers. You mentioned it on your show today. Uh, that being said, about his shoulder injury, um, he he got nicked up in that game. So what do you think about all these quarterbacks going down today? Well, there's a difference between John Brady being in the game late and, you know, up, up by a lot or somebody else. And all those games where those guys got hurt, those were games where, first of all, they were in the game, and second of all, they they were being touched. Tom Brady didn't get touched today, so why not? I mean, he's out there for reps well, he got and reality. A couple of times. Yeah, yeah he got but a couple still, times. I mean, it, it wasn't it wasn't any great big hits though. I mean, in reality, okay. it, there weren't any great big hits. So I'm not I'm, I'm not worried about. See, the offensive line of the New England Patriots compared to the other ones, and they weren't in a dogfight. Um, so I, yeah, now. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I, I probably would have pulled time and said, you know, you're done. You know, thanks for the thanks for the help. Uh, we'll we'll give our uh, guy a little time behind you just just in case. I think it was a mistake for them to do that. Not because you're worried about getting Tom Brady hurt. It's more in the fact that you lost an opportunity there for your quarterback to get in on a football game that was at real NFL speed so he can be up to date in case something happens. I think they missed it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I said earlier. And this is the NFL. There's not many opportunities you get. I mean, you know how it is. These games are usually pretty close, especially the the further along in the season we get the the closer the games are. So any any real game time experience other than the preseason you can give your quarterback, let him get out there and see. Because you saw today, New Orleans quarterback Bridgewater, he's a veteran in a way. He's still not Drew Brees. And he got some preseason snaps, but that means nothing. I can't even remember Pittsburgh's backup. Do you remember his name? Uh, the backup who? And where? The, the backup for Pittsburgh. I can't remember his name oh, off, yeah. off my head. I don't know. He played halfway decent though, uh, Tarvin. I watched again. He didn't. He didn't play horrible, but it, he's still not. You know. You know. He's still not Ben Roethlisberger. No. So is Colin Kaepernick coming back to the NFL? I why? <laughs> I, I mean, listen. This is real simple. You 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 don't bring Colin Kaepernick in right now to start. I mean, he he hasn't been on the football field for three years. I mean, you just don't do that. I know. You want to bring him in, slowly get him in there, and get the other guy who is actually backing up for some time in case something happens, then you have Colin? Yeah. But to bring him in to start? No, I'm not. And Frank, I'm kind of joking. But, I'm kind of joking about that, Sonny, because everybody mentioned it. Like you said, now it's been three years. So, I mean, yeah. you're better off with a guy bagging groceries right now than you are Kaepernick. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, it's yeah. just 
Plus, guys, they have gotten some reps even in the preseason games better than Colin Kaepernick right now. Of course, that's my personal opinion. I'll get eaten up by people who love Colin Kaepernick. But the simple fact of the matter is I don't want to see him out on the football field as a starter anywhere because he's not ready for that kind of thing. Well, I want to ask you this about the Bears-Broncos game. So I missed some of the ending. So the Broncos drove down and went for two, right? They went for two, yeah. took the lead to go up by one. Yes. The Bears came back. But my question to you is, when Chicago made that last play, the clock, when does it – I know the clock doesn't stop. When the referee acknowledges your timeout, that's what I thought a timeout happened. I don't know if they call timeout quick enough before that clock is zero. What's your thoughts on that? I, I was watching it, and they showed it, and there was one second. It just made me mad. <laughs> Plus, I had Denver. I picked Denver in that. I thought I they were, and frankly, thought they were going to win. Um, you know, in more more than more than anything, um, more, I was more mad that they didn't go for the tie. And now I'm talking about Denver. Um, I was mad that they didn't yeah. go for the tie. I was mad that they went for the win. You know, kind of get the lead and try to do that. Um, but. I think because I think if they would have went there with that final, you know, final seven, you know, I think it was like 30 seconds, um, they might have just, you know, needed into uh, overtime more than anything. Um, so, I, I, you know, six one half a dozen the other, they did get it and they did take the lead. But, uh, you know, the, the bad thing in that is in, if you didn't watch it, there was a roughing the passer on, on – um, on the quarterback of the Bears, it, it, you know, it wasn't even close. Dude, dude, barely even had the ball out of his hand before uh, uh, that rookie, uh, that r- rookie defensive guy. He's a badass. Um, uh, nailed him. Um, so, you know, it's that 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 was the call of the game in reality. Um, and if that call wasn't made, uh, Denver Broncos probably would have won that game. And, and another big game today, really, in a divisional game, the Titans host the Indianapolis Colts without Andrew Luck, coming off a road, big road victory over the Browns by 30 points. I mean, I watched when I watched it, it was a very sloppy game, a lot of missed opportunities by Tennessee. They lose 19 to 17 at home. I mean, I can't figure out the Titans. I mean, and, and it's not just this year. It's, Every year, they're Jekyll and Hyde. One day, they're they're great. They're beating anybody out there. The next week, they're losing to the Colts at home without Andrew Luck. I mean, explain to me this Tennessee Titans team. I mean, what's the problem? I think Mariota's the problem, honestly. But I don't like Derrick Henry at running back. Tell me what you think you could do to fix this Tennessee Titans team to make it a, a little more consistent. Well, I'm not, not, I'm not their offensive coordinator fan. I mean, because it's bad. I, you know, Mary, hey, that's, we, you know, we can talk all day long, but um, about Mariota, all right. There's no question that it, you know maybe he's got some problems. But I'll be honest, I don't think it's that. I think it's the play calling. I think it, it is a very bad uh, play calling that's going on over there. So when the Titans look at it and ready to go, Mike Rabel. You need to be a little bit better, you know, as the offensive coordinator, um, get better plays, better play calls in this one, because 
frankly, this is the year. This is the last year for Mariota. He they uh, they didn't do anything as far as the contract is concerned. Kept him on for the fifth year, and um, they are like trying to prove it. But I I I just think that Mike Vrabel needs to to have somebody to really go ahead and get that done. Um, and, and they're not. And I I just you know you, you think about it. You, you know, Rabel needs to get their guy and, and make sure it is. I think the guy's name is Arthur Smith, I think, as far as the offense coordinator. So Rabel needs to get with his offensive coordinator and, and figure out what they're going to actually do offensively and have a plan because they don't look like they're, you know, in any kind of cohesiveness in, you know, on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's hurting them. Yeah, and a big game coming up tonight, Sonny, the Atlanta Falcons at home, I think, in a must-win game. Um, I mean, it's just you're at home right here. You're playing the Eagles. It's hard to start 0-2 like my Panthers have, but I think they could come back um, and make a decent run, especially if freezes out. But, but how important is this game for Atlanta with the Saints losing tonight and um, – just a chance to kind of get back in the mix. How important is this game? Well, uh, this one's a huge one. I mean, in reality, if they can get the victory. The, the question is, you know, is, is Atlanta capable? Listen, Dirk Cotter is a problem for this football team. You can say whatever you want, and that's offensive coordinator for those that don't know, which, by the way, they fired in reality, and he went somewhere else as a head coach, and they brought him back. Guy wasn't doing a very good job then, uh, you know. So, listen, I you know they need to win. I don't know if they're going to be able to get the win. In reality, I know Atlanta is at home, um, but you know, I there's just something there's just something about Atlanta right now that doesn't make me feel comfortable at all. You want to talk about a guy that has not come back after a Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl uh, hangover? I mean, my gosh. I mean, we haven't seen anything from Matt Ryan, you know. So, in a in, in a big game, and this is week number two, we shouldn't be talking about big games if you're if you are a team that really should be, you know, going for that playoff spot. Um, but it is it's a big game for Atlanta. But I I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it out there, Tarvin. Well, Falcons fans are they're just getting tired of. You know, hearing all the talk of, okay, Matt Ryan's the guy, and they just can't get over the hump. And you're right, ever since that 35-3 to lead against the Patriots, this team has not been the same offensively or defensively. And I don't know if it's a culture thing right now. Uh, is Dan Quinn, is he is he the right man for the job to get this Falcons team back? I mean, there's one serious player. I don't, I'm not saying Matt Ryan's not a good quarterback. I think he is. But when you've got one of the best receivers in the game, Julio Jones, you've got to find him more. Last year it was probably, what, week 10 before he even had a touchdown pass. So somebody's going to have to step up. The offensive line for the Falcons is going to have to step up, and, God, the defense is going to have to. I know last year all the excuses were the injuries. I get it. This is your year. But to come out and get embarrassed by the Minnesota Vikings, and you saw today, they're not that very good. They're not great. So you got embarrassed by him. It's not like you went on the road and lost by a touchdown. You got drilled. 
by the Minnesota Vikings. So tonight is a must win, but it seems like the Eagles have the Falcons numbers. A couple of years, was it last year they opened up the season or two years ago? And I think it was last year in Philly. Philly beat them. And um, I just think Matt Ryan struggles against this Eagles team. So they just kicked off. The Falcons had the ball first. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what happens tonight. But this is a must win in my mind for the Falcons because if you lose this game, okay, here come the Boo Birds now. I mean, it's going to be Dan yeah. Quinn needs to be looking in the mirror. And Matt Ryan, how long will he be in Atlanta if this is not the year they make the playoffs? I mean, you can't just keep bringing him back. He's getting older, too. And that also comes from the uh, offensive coordinator. This thing will only go as far as, you know, Matt Ryan will take him. But, you know, with, you know that loss, that, that loss in the championship game in the Super Bowl just hasn't made him, you know, made him the same. And, I don't know about Atlanta, and you know the defense. I think you know sometimes I think a defense will go. Oh my God, we're this bad offensively. Why are we out here killing ourselves? And you know I saw that a couple of, in a couple of uh, places last year, and I'm wondering if Atlanta's not the next one in line. Well, we're gonna find out tonight. But Sonny, I gotta ask you. I was I was wrong about this quarterback, and I think you know who I'm gonna be talking about. I mean. Is he fooled gold right now? And this guy's storming the NFL right now. Baltimore, Lamar Jackson, I mean, putting up good numbers and everything. Why do you think Lamar Jackson has improved so much from last year, if he has, in your opinion? And are you buying into this Baltimore team within the quarterback long term? Well, that that's the big question, you know, if I even thought it in the first place. And, no, the answer is no. you got to remember they played Miami who got blanked today, all right? You know, so, you know, or they – I don't know if they got blanked, but they got extremely embarrassed. Um, they, they got blank. extremely – however, at the end of the day, it got extremely embarrassed, and then you get the, the – the, quite possibly the second worst team in the NFL in the Arizona Cardinals, you know? And say whatever you want about Lamar, Lamar, you know, he has one year over, the, you know, the rook. But let, let's, let's not write home to mama about how great this guy is because week number three, um, he's going to get to come to Jesus in reality because the Baltimore Ravens get the Kansas City Chiefs and they're going to destroy him. So, you know, and, 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 and not only that, then you got – a division game against the Cleveland Browns, you know, in, in the week after that. So they got two tough games coming up there. And just depending on what Cleveland uh, team will show up in two weeks uh, will be big. But next next week they're just going to get wiped out, and we're going to see really, you know, how great Lamar Jackson is, which is not very good. No, I'm not buying into it. because Now, here's what I will do. If, if they manage to figure out how to have a good season with this guy at the quarterback position and he's consistent, I'll, I can admit that I was <laughs> sorry, and I was wrong about him. But until I see a season where they make the playoffs again, you know, even though they made it last year, I, I'm not buying that either. Um, I want to see a full year with him at the quarterback position and see what he can do to handle the heat that's going to be coming to him defensively from an NFL football team. Well, I was wondering if it was going to fall for my bait or not, but you didn't. They did play like the the worst two teams in the NFL back-to-back. I mean, 
the Dolphins did get blanked 43 nothing today. I'm just not a – I just think that these NFL defenses are so sophisticated. They realize Lamar Jackson is not going to run the ball a lot because if he does, he's not going to have a long career. He's going to be out pretty quick. The guy's not that big. You see what happened. Look at Cam Newton, for God's sake. He's 6'6", 250. He can't run in this league anymore. So they're not going to – these NFL defenses aren't afraid of Lamar Jackson's arm. Uh, he might be able to get out of the pocket a little bit, but I'm telling you, he's about to get eaten alive. And all these people out here in fantasy um, talking about how big of a stud he is, we're about to find out how big of a dud he is. Um, I do think he loses the Kansas City, and I do think he loses the Cleveland. Darvin, I think you made mention of it. You know, Kim's been hit so hard. You know, you know, over the years he forgot what you know what sexy is because he's dressing like a van. So you know, maybe maybe it's all those hits in the NFL. You know, you know that that are definitely going to affect him. You know, I think he probably already has. (laughs) And I think, and I think we talked about this. I think Cam Newton. Is setting up for a lawsuit against the NFL. I do because of all the hits he's taken without flags being thrown. And when it comes out he has CTE or anything wrong, his career has to be ended early. Guess who's going to be getting paid by the NFL for the rest of his life? Cam Newton. Makes so, sense. But it makes, it, makes you kind of wonder. I'm serious. I don't think he's here much longer in the NFL because why would you get? Why would you want to play when you're getting paid what you would have made anyway? Uh, the Falcons drive stalled. Here comes Matt Bryant, the oldest kicker in the NFL, the oldest player in the NFL, is out to attempt a 50-yard field goal. We'll see how this goes real quick live. He made it. Of course he did. I don't think he's ever missed a kick, has he? He's like 72 years old, and he still hasn't missed a kick. Hey, Adam Venteri had one go off the post today. Yeah, he missed an extra point. Did he miss an extra point today? Yeah. When it, um, oh, I, I, I don't know if that was an extra point or not. I thought it was a field goal. No, I think it was an extra point. It was. It was the extra point, yeah. and it bounced off the uh, uh, the upright. Yeah, so so after two weeks of the NFL, I mean, we look at Dallas, they beat Washington today. What's your biggest takeaway after two weeks of the NFL? Who, I mean, we know the Giants, the Dolphins, they're pretty terrible, right? I mean, I can yeah. classify those two teams as terrible. I'm not going to say Arizona's terrible just yet. I think they can improve as the year goes on. I like I like Kyler Murray, especially being a rookie. I think he made some surprising teams. They may win three or four games this year. But is it safe to say that the Miami Dolphins will not win a game this year? I'm going to well, say right, right now, now that's the way they look. That's the, that's the way I mean, they I, look. But, I, you know, a lot of people expected that in reality. But, you know, I think the Colts being in in the game week number one, and then getting the win this week, that's probably my surprise, you know. And the Texans one and one. Now, the Titans being one and one, no big shock. Jaguars 0 and 2, no great big shock at all. Um, Ravens being 2 and 0, you know, seeing the schedule who they are, if they were 2 and 0, we, we, you're not really allowed to really talk to them, you know, talk about them. Uh, if they were, if they're 1 and 1 or 0 and 2, you know, we can just write them off. So, 
Um, but well, well, tell me about know, the I think you're right. Being 0 and 2 right now. Tell me about the Panthers 0 and 2 right now. I mean, to me, I thought they should at least be 1 and 1. I mean, the Rams they were an underdog to start the the year, even though they were at home. Uh, they played that game pretty well. I mean, they they were in it the whole time, but against Tampa Bay, losing that game, I just nobody saw that one coming really. Um, any chance they could come back and and, and get going? I mean, this, this team does have a good defense. No, I mean, I don't think line, Cam's healthy. That's concerned. the problem. Cam's not healthy, man. And you and I, we talked about that just briefly. Uh, Cam's not healthy. And, that, and that's a problem. It, 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 first of all, Cam Newton isn't the most consistent quarterback in the world, okay? And then you add up on the fact that he is really not healthy, okay? They can sit there and lie to everybody about, yeah, he's playing, he's 100% ready to go. But he, like you said, we were on the phone. We were talking about you've watched this guy throw that ball for six years. You've never seen him throw the ball like this. There's something wrong with Cam Newton. Um, now, are they capable of ripping off eight in a row like they've done in the past? They're always capable of doing that, but that has to be a healthy Cam Newton. That has to be a happy Cam Newton. And right now, I don't. I, I agree with you. I think you said it this morning. He's not having fun right now. He's not happy. Um, and, and he can still have a good time in a game that he loses, but, man, dude, looks like he's having a good time at all. So I, th- I think he's that's a, a big part of his have, game, too. He's got to be running to have a good time. And I think they and that showed you the other night with one yard with inches to go, a half yard. You need to, to extend this game, possibly even get a touchdown. You go to McCaffrey and undersized back. That ought to show you. If they're not letting Cam run there, they're not letting him run at all. I don't think he's really had any runs this year that I can remember. So is that one of the reasons he's not having fun? I think you're right. I think he's taken so many hits and it's just continuing on to this year that sometimes that you just take so much punishment and you're just done. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I'm, I'm not dealing with this crap anymore. And, and, you know, if you can't find me someone to throw the football to, ne- never mind protect me, but she hasn't had any protection for five years either. So, you know, and, and I was not joking at the beginning of the year where I said, the Panthers need to get rid of the coach and the, and the quarterback right now. Because right now it's not working. You say whatever you want. They had that Super Bowl run. Hey, wonderful. But, you know, this is an NFL. Not for long. What have you done for me lately? Which, really, to be honest, the, the Carolina Panthers haven't done anything to really be proud of. So, you know, I, you know it's sooner or later as a franchise you're going to have to say, you know, well, we experimented with that. That didn't work. So be it. Next. And that goes for the coach yeah, I mean, as well. It's hard to come back from a year like like they had when they were. I mean, that was a historical run. When I, that was probably one of the best seasons Cam Newton could ever dream of having to get in the Super Bowl and they lay an egg. And he hasn't been the same since. I think it's physical. Yep. I think it's mental. I think it's both. So when it's both of them, it's very hard. If it's physical, you can get past it, hopefully, and, and get back. But when it's both mental and physical, you may be yep. right. It may be time for a – I mean, you've got a great defense on that team. you got some good players. It's time maybe to change quarterbacks. Not that Cam sucks. He needs to change the scenery, too, I think, 
And Rod yeah. Rivera, how many times have I told you to get rid of him? How many times have I been saying that year after year? Get rid of Ron Absolutely. Rivera. Get rid of him. Uh, whoa, just, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. this up. Because when I said that they needed to get rid of both of them, you said that was crazy. Now, I, and I remember that, um, you know, when I made the statement. That, yeah. uh, and In fact, yeah. that was three weeks before the season started. I said, do something about it now. See what you can get for them now. There's teams out there that need a quarterback. There's teams out there that need a head coach. It, it's time. I never told you it was crazy oh. about that. I don't remember you saying both that. Both of them. I, I I thought and then I could have I swore that you told me that I was crazy, you know, for both of them to be uh, to be gone. Maybe I'm wrong. I, it, listen, Sonic well, has take some well, shots to the head. If you'd have told me if you'd have told me Rivera, I'd have been with you. But Cam, before this season, I would have told you you're crazy. But I've I've wanted him okay. going all along somewhere else. It's going to protect him though. I mean, they haven't put I, anything I, in I that offensive oh. line. They haven't put anything in that offensive line, Sonny, to make me think that they yep. they care about his well-being. They care about re-signing him. You know, you see all these other people holding out, getting money. Um, you haven't seen Cam do that, but you haven't seen Carolina offer to pay him more money, have you? Well, they're not going to. He's not successful enough to where he can hold out to where and make a difference, and they would be just fine with him going. Let's let's bring Cuervo in because he might have been the one that told you you were crazy. I don't know, Cuervo. Have you been listening long enough to hear Sonny? This isn't Cuervo. Oh, it's Jonathan. I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm on a, I'm on a new computer. I'm on a new computer, and your names aren't programmed. In. I know Sonny's four six nine, but for some reason, what Cuervos is it? Two something. That's what threw me off. So uh, he's two o three. Two o three. Yeah. Two o three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Jonathan. So Jonathan. What can Carolina do? I mean, looking at Cam Newton, he looks like he doesn't care anymore. I think he is hurt. I've watched him throw for 10 years and I'm telling you, the guy's shoulder is not right. And I don't, I just don't think he's having much fun anymore in the game. They wouldn't let him run. They're not letting him run anymore. And Cam's the best when he can run the football, get it going, get some he, – he's a lot better passer accuracy-wise when he's able to run and get going. I just think he doesn't get going unless he gets Gets running. What do you think about it? Ron Rivera should be gone, by the way. Sonny and I both agree on that. Um, but what do you think? Uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think it's funny how the sky is falling uh, in Carolina. Obviously, you know, you you, you lost to, t- to a tough opponent in week one in the Rams. I mean, we saw what they did in New Orleans today, and I get it. You know, uh, no Drew Brees obviously affects the way that game went, but the Rams are obviously a pretty good team. And, and yeah, I mean, but the sky is falling because you lost to the Bucks at home on a Thursday night. Like, let's be honest. That's, <laughs> that's what you're mad about. If you had lost to any other team on Thursday night, it would have been fine, but you lost to us. I get it. We're terrible. Well, um, well Thursday, Thursday night games suck anyway. I mean, I hate them. I wish they'd be oh, yeah, Thursday no, night it, games anyway. Yeah, they're horrible I games, and, and just – 
Tech, you know, they, they usually favor the home team, which is why this game was so weird. Um, but I, you know, I will say, look, Cam does look a little off, and they got after you know the Bucks defense. You have to give them some credit; they got after Cam. Uh, and yeah, your offensive line is bad. I mean, Shaq Barrett, who preseason I labeled as somebody who was only starting at a necessity, uh, just started eating. Uh, what is that? Darrell Williams uh, started eating him alive. And, and, I mean, so you know that that needs to be solved. And I understand the frustrations and the fact that you've done nothing to upgrade the offensive line, uh, or what you have done hasn't necessarily worked out. I mean, it, it's very reminiscent of what the Cardinals have going on, where every time you think the Cardinals have got something going on, you look and you're like, well, they haven't really upgraded their O-line in a decade, so it's no surprise they're not good. Uh, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, look, we, we can sit here and talk about how Ron Rivera needs to be gone or whatnot. I mean, Ron Rivera has not been a bad coach for Carolina. You've had some, some iffy years, of course, and that happens in the NFL. You know, the scheduling doesn't always go your favor and injuries don't go your favor and whatnot. Uh, but, I mean, do I think there's something wrong with Cam? Uh, yeah. Do I know what it is? No. Do I think he's hurt? Maybe not. Uh, you know, Cam may may just be a little mentally spent right now or, or a multitude of other things. Um, you know, he's well, got he, young he receivers. He can't dress for hell. I'll, I'll tell you that. He, he doesn't know how to dress. I don't know what's going on, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, I don't. I mean, it, it takes a lot of effort to to look that ugly. So, I mean, coming off a game like that, I would come in with sweats and a hoodie on. I wouldn't come it's just like Medea. He, he, oh, he looks. He, he looks just like Medea. He's just He's confused. You know. <laughs> oh, he's got the same stylus as Odell Beckham, most likely. Um. Who's probably also the same stylist that Russell Westbrook has, you know, and it's ridiculous, and I get it. And you know, if you're gonna pick on something, uh, I I would pick on the way he dresses too, the same way you pick on Odell, and the same way we pick on um, we pick on Russ. But you know, I I think there's I think there's many there's a couple of different problems with Carolina right now. One of them is left tackle or right tackle. Right tackle's obviously no, it is left. I'm sorry, left tackle is a huge yeah, issue. And Daryl Williams. Um, you know, you have young receivers uh, and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, who I think are talented, but they're still young. They're still developing. Uh, you know, re- you know, receivers usually don't just pop off right away. Um, and, and then, you know, I mean, the, yeah, I don't think the defense played a, a bad game. You just didn't get a really bad game from Jameis. And that, that's and my biggest takeaway from that game more than anything was you know if there's two takeaways from that game, it's the Bucks' pass rush ha- has shown up and developed, and I think that's Todd Bowles. I think that's just scheme more than I think it is the Bucks' talent because they were sending guys from every which way and doing a good job, and Jameis didn't turn the ball over. And, and you know when the when Jameis doesn't turn the ball over, the Bucks have a fifty-fifty chance of winning, and this just happened to be one of those games. So I mean I don't think the sky is falling just yet in Carolina especially with the news that Drew Brees could be out for a yeah. substantial amount of time. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking, too. Like, I feel a lot better with Brees going out and if there's a chance that Cam can get healthy and this team can get rolling. Because that defense is going to show up for you. The problem is they're just worn out. 
I mean, that, that's what worries me the most. If the offense doesn't start rolling a little bit, then you're going to end up with a depleted Carolina. You're going to start seeing injuries creep up. Keekley's going to get mm-hmm. hurt. And uh, I don't know if I like this in the NFL now. They're challenging pass interference calls and stuff. But, geez, that's all we need another delay. But, um, well, they need, to, they mean, need to be here. able to throw a challenge on a quarterback, uh, on a, on a roughing the quarterback in Denver. Because I'm going to tell you right now, that was a horrible call. And they should have – I don't know if the rules prevent it, but I don't know why they wouldn't. I'd throw a challenge on that because, dude, that was the worst call. And it cost the Denver Broncos the game in reality. Well, I mean, yeah, that was a bad call. Bradley Chubb, don't get me wrong. But the Bears were a victim of that twice as well. Uh, Leonard Floyd picked up an unnecessary roughness penalty for just a basic tackle on Noah Fant. And then Eddie Goldman got a roughing the pass on Joe Flacco that was very similar to the Bradley Chubb one. So, I mean, personally, those officials were terrible. And and if we're being completely honest, Chicago should have never gotten that last time out. Uh, If you had tried that in the video game, the computer would have laughed at you and been like, no, the clock ran out. Um, so it I mean, there was, out, it, Jonathan? it did run out. I've been saying that. Yeah. You will agree with me. Yeah, no, Chicago shouldn't have gotten a timeout off. Uh, I mean, it, 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 they just shouldn't have. And nobody else gets that. That's very reminiscent of the Texas, Nebraska, 2009 big 12 championship game. And I mean, and it's just funny considering what we had in North Carolina, Wake Forest on Friday night where the clock magically runs out. On uh, on North Carolina, like the clock operators had a very bad weekend across the country. <laughs> I, I saw sure did. and I saw the Mitchell Trubisky timeout right when it was there. There was one second, at least that's what I thought. At least they showed it on the red zone that way, and I I thought they got the call right, even though I want I picked Denver to win the game, um, so uh, I was kind of hoping that they would, um, but. I don't know. It, it's it was it was man, just a weird you're game. Gonna, you're gonna make your co-host. You're gonna make your co-host mad. He's gonna call in. But let's, well, you picked let's them take too. a call You picked them too. Let's take a call. <laughs> well, let's take a call from the six four six area code. You're all in sports. Who's this? This is Bryce calling from Brooklyn. It is Bryce. How you what's doing, up, Bryce? Hey, what's going on? How y'all doing tonight? I, 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 are you okay about those Pittsburgh Steelers? Remember, I did. I, I, I did Sonny, I, did I was listening, and I thought, is that Sonny on this show? This is the hardest working guy in, in sports talk. Hey, no, I am the hardest working man in sports radio, and I was thinking about you that whole game, you know, and I, and I even made a statement to the guys that said, how do you like them Steelers now? So, yeah. <laughs> Not only, listen, not only did the Steelers lose, and, and, and not only did a lot of what I said, except the win, come true. Sonny, I told you they couldn't block us, and they couldn't, uh-huh. but the offense took so long to get going, and I think the defense, the front seven, worn down, wore down. But I told you about the middle of the field. I told you about the seams. I told you about the Steelers defense and Keith Butler not adjusting. Um, and on another note, you know, Min, you know, the Jaguars couldn't block Minshew, but he had him. He had him there at the end, you know. He, yeah. He played yeah. hard and made plays, but that's another story. But yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers are just, you know, the, you know what the problem with the Steelers is, is that right now, outside of Ben Roethlisberger, what is the identity of the Pittsburgh Steelers? 
They have lost it. There's nothing that they do extremely well that they right now can hang their hats on. Aside from Ben Roethlisberger, that's it. You know, they, they, there's nothing they can hang their hat on, and that's a problem. Yeah, and he's old and, and banged up now. He doesn't have any weapons, really. He's got a couple, but nothing like Antonio Brown to throw the ball to. But, but how, how severe is this injury, Bryce, that he sustained today? Was it his elbow? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was his elbow. Um, he didn't get hit. He threw a pass and grabbed it, tried, tried to throw another one, and it was hurting. Personally, I don't like that. When guys get hurt and can't play and no one hits them, that means something got strained, torn. That's not a good sign. Um, that sounds like a pitcher injury. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Now, I mean, Mason Rudolph, you know, granted, no film on him. Backup comes in, is able to do a couple things. Uh, you know, the moment's not too big for him. He's definitely not afraid. He can throw it. I mean, we'll see. But, you know, it's, it's just – the strength of the team is the offensive line, and Feekner does not trust the line enough to really, you know, kind of build everything inside out now. Like, everything needs to come from, we're going to put our offensive line in position to win. We're going to put you in a position to win. We're going to um, run the football. We're going to come off the ball. We're going to see if our front five are better than your front seven type of thing. But they're going to have to change up their style. Style and do more play action and pass less. I tried to yeah, get my daughter from cheerleading practice, but you have a good one. I'll talk to you soon, okay? You too, buddy. <laughs> All right. Too, buddy. That's uh, that's Sonny Clark, the couch potato, the hardest white man in sports. Oh no, the hardest working uh, man in sports. Isn't that right, Jonathan? White man. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Always gets funny crap. He's a he. he I listen to his football. Uh, his football call. He does a. Uh, Radio show, or he does the uh, play-by-play for the uh, I can't even remember the name of it now. The Allen Eagles or the Rowlett Eagles or something. But Rowlett anyway, Eagles. Bryce, Bryce, yeah, Bryce, Bryce, you called the upset today for Jacksonville against Houston, right? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, a, I thought that was, was going to be the man. Yeah. I laughed at you, man. I laughed at you. And Jonathan, what do you think? And I'll go to you, Bryce next. What do you think about Jacksonville going for two out there? I didn't like it because the defense <laughs> of Jacksonville was playing good, and I, I thought they needed to go into overtime and just see what would what would happen. So what what do you think? Houston was struggling. I think it was the wrong time to go for two. I, I mean, I loved it. Your offense finally gets clicking the whole game. You drive down the field. Minshew's moving around doing his thing. Uh, like we saw him do so many times at Washington State last year. Uh, I, I I love the decision to go for two. I hated the play call. Uh, I think if yeah. you're going to go for two in that situation, you keep it in Minshew's hands and let him make something happen again uh, by just deciding, hey, we're going to out of the shotgun and give it to Fournette and let him go. You know, I mean, if you're going to give it to Fournette there, I, I, you line up in the eye for me, give me a fullback out there, let, let, let's pave some way. Um but, yeah. yeah, I mean, I love the decision just like I love the decision that Denver made to go for two. Uh, I, I like that aggressiveness, uh, you know, to, to kind of really apply the pressure on the other end. Because more often than not, the defense is going to fold there than, than, than the offense. 
Hey, hey, Bryce, are you a college football fan, or are you just an NFL guy? Um, more NFL than college. I do have to get off the phone, guys, real quick. But I do want to say I love – I agree with that. Love the decision to go for two. I hate the play call. Why even go for two if you're going to do that? That's like that, – that's a coach who, to me, yeah. Marone, is one foot in, one foot out. If you're going to be aggressive, go all in. Put it in Minshew's hands. Maybe get Fournette out into a route as an extra guy. You know, do something creative. Don't just run him up the middle. That's Jacksonville with Bortles from 2017 and 16 and 15. Do better than that, man. That's a terrible. If I was Jalen Ramsey, I'd be in Marone's face, too, for calling that terrible call. That was awful. Well, Bryce, keep keep, um, following our show. You're welcome to call in any time. Great having you, buddy. Yo, appreciate it, guys. Thanks. All right, thanks. Well, Jonathan, we're about to get into what we do best. Jason Humphrey, we're going to bring him on in a few minutes, too. But college football's here. I know you're not very happy right now. And probably next weekend, I won't be either. But, you know, we got really three weeks under our belt in college football. And I guess there's, to me, there's not really any surprises. I mean, you, you have. Uh, Clemson at number one, they've looked like the number one team. I mean, I can't really say anything about that. Bama at two, I don't know if, if they – I mean, two, three, and four, five, and six, you could rotate them all you want. Um, but I guess a surprise to me so far this year is LSU and that offense. Mm-hmm. You know, you always hear, you always hear they're going to have a great offense and they, they don't. Well, I think this year they do. So I think I think everybody else better watch out for LSU this year. I hate to say that, but uh, LSU to me is a surprise team this year. Tell me who your surprise team is. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if there's really a team that's surprising me right now. Uh, you know, going into the year, I was I was very high on on LSU. Uh, I had them um, uh, number six in my rankings. Uh, I mean, I guess if there's a team that's kind of climbed their way up and, and, and it has caught me a little off guard, it would be somebody uh, like Oklahoma State, who I thought was going to be good, but I, I didn't really expect uh, Spencer Sanders to come along as quickly as he has. Um, you know, not that they're going to be a contender. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I think there's, there's eight playoff teams this year in all reality. Eight teams right now I'm looking at and saying, yep, I, I could see them in the playoff and I'm fine with it. And even then that number's a little fishy because it's, you know, Notre Dame's number eight and then they're right on the edge for me. I need to see a little more from them. Um, obviously they had a great performance yesterday. Um, then, you know, Michigan would be number seven as of right now. And they've looked a little, a little sloppy, but, you know, incorporating a new offense, we'll learn about them this upcoming week. Um, why do you, you, know, think, it's just, why it's, do you it's, think Michigan's there? Why do you think Michigan's like a team? I I just don't I don't see them at all like even being in the discussion. But I could be wrong. But Michigan's not a team that I fear. I don't think anybody does, or Notre Dame for that matter. I think I think Notre Dame's going to get pistol with this weekend. But Michigan's got to go. Remember where they got to go, uh, Jonathan, this weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they 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 got to go to Bucky for a nooner. 
And, uh, I, you know, this will be a big test for them. It's more of a test for the defense and the offense. Uh, you know, you, you shut down Jonathan Taylor, you can beat Wisconsin just like last year. Where they didn't really shut down Jonathan Taylor. Wisconsin just tried to throw the ball a couple of times too many. Um, you know, my thing is I like Michigan's defense. And, look, the Army game is what it is. You're playing a triple option team with a funky game. You know, everybody kind of – I mean, remember last year Oklahoma – you know, got got taken to overtime by Army. So those are always weird, weird games. And really, if you're a top-end team, you should not schedule uh, one of the academies. That's what we've learned. Oh, it's, it's miserable. No, you're playing undersized offensive linemen. They cut you every play. Yeah. I mean, they're undersized. They're cutting you every play. Your quarterbacks are running nonstop. They're actually utilizing fullbacks who, who, who come and get out, who just power through you because they're bigger than your linebackers at, at the end of the day. I mean, it's, it's a very strange – and defensively, especially someone like Army, they're very good at disguising what they're doing. And Michigan's problem, at least offensively right now, is they have a big fumble issue. They need to get that under control. They're breaking in a new system. Um, the true freshman running back Charbonnet has looked very good and has taken that starting job over. They have talent at receiver, and I don't think Shea Patterson is a bad quarterback. I mean, I don't think he's the top pick in the draft kind of quarterback, but he's not a bad quarterback. He's a good college quarterback. Um, and so, you know, Michigan's just got to figure out this offensive system that they're running, and that is the hard part in all of this. And, you know, for a lot, of the, a lot of these teams that are breaking in new schemes, it's usually not until, like, the sixth or seventh game of the year when you find out, you know, when that offense will finally click. Um, and luckily for Michigan, they that's right around Notre Dame time, but they do have Wisconsin this week, you know. Um, I mean, I just, I, I'm, I, I, I'm just not ready to write Michigan off yet. A team in the top 10 that I wrote off preseason, I had them ranked number, what, 21 or 22. Um, I had them ranked 21, and they're still in the top 10 as Florida. I mean, I wrote them off before Felipe Franks got hurt, and it's unfortunate the injury that happened to him. But, I mean, I think Florida's going to struggle from here on out. They should not have won that game last night. They did. Uh, hats off to, to Kyle Trask for leading that team in a comeback. I'm surprised it was Kyle Trask and not Emory Jones. Uh, and we'll see what comes more from Florida as, as this season progresses. But I, I expect that team to rack up, you know, three, four losses before uh, their season's done. Yeah, Tennessee may get a miss this weekend, believe it or not. But we got the Auburn Tigers sitting at eight. They got a real test coming up on the road, and they're underdogs, believe it or not. Auburn's a three-point dog to A&M. I think it's four in some places. This is the first true road game uh, for Bo Nix, the freshman. Um, I'm not a big believer in A&M. If Auburn goes in and beats them like I think they should, I still don't don't know a lot about Auburn just yet. It's, it's hard to predict mm-hmm. with a quarterback as a freshman. The offensive line hasn't looked very good. Uh, but last night they did. Again, it was uh, Kent State. But a lot of confidence running the ball. It looks like Auburn's starting to learn how to run the ball. But what do you think about Auburn right now? they got a, the toughest schedule in America coming up. Um, what do you think about them? What do you think about their chances to get by A&M this weekend? Well, I mean, Auburn's never lost at A&M, so at least as SEC opponent, so that plays in your favor a little bit. 
you know, I mean, I have Auburn uh, number nine in my rankings right now. Um, you know, they're a very good team. Uh, at, you know, defensively, we know what they are. They're very sound. They don't make mistakes. Uh, offensively, like you said, the offensive line's a little bit of still a work in progress, but it's a lot better than it was last year. You're running the ball a lot better. Uh, and I don't think you're getting bad quarterback play. If anything, I don't, th- I don't think Bo Nix has been a major step down from what Stidham was last year. And that might just be because your receivers are playing better and you guys are playing better and your offensive line's blocking better. Um, but, you know, well, looking forward for Auburn. Mobile, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's, that's what Gus needs. I mean, Gus, and that's the thing that kills him about yep. Gus is he knows what he needs to be successful. And then he goes out, and, you know, obviously first year with Stidham, they were phenomenal, right? I mean, you, you win the SEC West, uh, uh, you know, you play in the Sugar Bowl, uh, you know, you, you beat Alabama, you beat both the teams that are in the national title game. Uh, you know, I mean, I, that first year with Stedham was very good. And then you saw the typical Gus regression with the quarterback. And, and Gus knows what he needs out of a quarterback. He needs a mobile quarterback. Uh, he needs a Cam Newton. He needs a Nick Marshall. Guys like that to be really successful. I think Bo Nix can be that for him. Uh, and, you know, Bo Nix does bring a little bit of uncertainty to it. Uh, he uh, He's playing a little more like Joe Burrow did last year, where it was, let's see if he actually hits 50% of his passes kind of a thing. Um, you know, but he does provide with his legs. And, you know, I mean, I, I think Auburn's still somebody to keep an eye on, and they could still be a dangerous team and knock somebody off at some point. I don't think – a&M is a knock somebody off. I don't think A&M's that good. Um, you know, we, we, we saw, I, I mean, obviously Clemson hasn't really, Clemson hasn't really put the gas down on anybody yet. We saw Clemson just kind of handle Texas A&M, and I expected a step back from them, especially defensively. You know, they lost a good bit of talent. You know, offensively, you lost your best pass catcher. And uh, uh, Jay Sternberger, uh, and your best running back at Travion Williams. So, I mean, offensively, they've, they've kind of walked back a little bit. And, you know, Kellen Mond can only do so much on his own. So I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting this to be like some massive, oh, my goodness, game um, from the standpoint of, you know, a and you know, they're a big threat. I mean, I think Auburn, top and bottom, is a much better team. Why are they underdogs? I think it's because they're on the road. Because it's on the road and A&L's been, yeah, they're on the road. It's a true freshman quarterback, and A&L's been getting a lot of love that I don't think they deserve. Let's face it. You know, the the two things people remember from A&M last year are that they beat LSU in seven overtimes, right, and that they, the last game of the year was the manhandled NC State in the Gator Bowl. Well, North Carolina State wasn't going to be able to stand up to A&M. We knew that was coming. Um, and... I mean, A&M probably should have never gone to overtime against LSU. So, like, they, they, they got all this fluff for what? You know, and people just drank and thought too highly of A&M going into a year two situation. You know, you, you want to talk to me about A&M, holler at me in 2020, but don't, don't, don't come at me this year and be like, A&M's so good, but they just have a terrible schedule. Yeah, their schedule sucks. And that happens when you play Clemson and Alabama and Georgia, and Auburn, and LSU. Like, that that, that happens. You know, you're, pay, you're playing five of the top nine teams in the country, as I see it right now. You know, multiple of them on the road. Two of them back-to-back at the end of the year in Georgia and LSU. Like, that's, that's your problem, not mine. Um, you know, the way, the way I look at it is 
they probably weren't any better than eight and four regardless. You know, and, and if they win this game, you know, maybe their max ceiling really is eight and four. Um, yeah. You know, but that's, and, to me, and looking, so I remember last year. If Auburn lost this game, Jonathan, to say is a close game on the road, with their schedule strength, if they start putting it together, and you know how Jeff's offense can get going to be almost unstoppable, you won't even remember that. I think this game's a lot more important for A&M than it is Auburn, don't you think? Because looking at Auburn's yeah. road ahead, they've got it. But if A&M loses now, it's just going to be hard to come back from two losses. Even if you won out, it's going to still be tough. But Auburn can lose a game on the road because you know how the committee looks at looks at it. Auburn played a good Oregon team. They they'll reward them for that. Even if they lose A and M, Auburn will be higher in that in that committee poll than it will be in the AP or coaches poll just because they had the balls to go out and play somebody. Don't you agree? Uh, I mean, yeah, Auburn obviously gets a bump from playing Oregon and beating Oregon, just like, you know, A&M will get somewhat of a bump because they, they played Clemson and they covered the spread, um, even though they really shouldn't know. It was a backdoor cover, but, you know, wink, wink, hey, hey, yeah, score 14. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, look, th- this is a bigger win for A&M than it is for Auburn for multiple reasons. One, Auburn loses this game and Gus Malzango's freshman quarterback in his first road start. It happens. And Auburn fans, as much as you like to be a, a, a realist, for the most part, your your fan base is going to go, oh, my God, we're, we're losing fire guys. Okay, fine. Yeah. Fire them. Let's have some fun I'm with tired, that. I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing that. Mm. I mean, even last mm. night they're saying that. Like, uh, or against Tulane. No, you only won by 18. You covered the spread, but Gus has got to go. Or start gate. Who cares? Or, I think Gus. I think Gus Malzahn knows a little bit more about the quarterback situation at Auburn than than I do, or you do, or Jason does, and all these Auburn fans. There's a reason Gatewood's not starting. He hasn't picked up the playbook yet. He's a great little talent and everything, but he can't throw the ball very accurately, and he hasn't earned the trust by learning the playbook yet. And Gatewood's going to see a lot of action upcoming in the SEC game. You can't have a guy that size and not play him in a package. And, and I'm telling you, this Auburn team has a chance with that defense. That offense comes together. You guys, you better watch the hell out, I'm telling you. The defense is there. It's, it's going to be good. The offense is getting better every game. People better watch out, Jason. Right, Jason? Jason's with us. I know he's still licking his wounds from that, that week one game in Cherry's world. But, man, you guys – you guys dominated Auburn for most of the game, Jason. Nothing to hang your head about. Yeah, um, Oregon looked did it good for the most part for that game. Just didn't get the victory, so that yeah. happens. So who do you think wins? Who do you think wins between Auburn and A and M this weekend coming up? Auburn's an underdog, and I think Jonathan Bright. They're getting a lot of love there at home, but Jonathan needs a point that was real good of who they lost at receiver and who they lost at running back. That was the heart of their team last year, really. It made them dangerous. Now they've just got Mond out there. I think he's been a little bit over his head. Um, I think he's still getting a lot of love for that 400 yards against Clemson last year, too, that he threw. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. Jason, who do you like in that game? Yeah, I, I like the Tigers to win. I I like what I saw from Tigers. Yeah, it was only one a game, but 
A&M didn't look good against Clemson. Yeah, it's on the road, but I think Auburn's defense will shut down and cut them off. Yeah, and, and and Jonathan, what did that loss to Clemson do to A&M mentally, too? I think you got to think about that. Here we go again kind of thing, maybe, for A&M. It's like, you know, here we are. We, we play Clemson. They're all hyped up for us. They they really didn't cover in my mind. They got dominated. Um, backdoor cover, but what does that do mentally? Can Jimbo get them where they need to be mentally to, to play this SEC gauntlet? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Jimbo's not a bad coach. You know, I mean, he 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 can he can get something figured out as far as that goes. Um, you know, nobody's ever said Jimbo's a bad coach. He just quit on his team uh, before yeah. he left for A and M. But you know, I mean, he he's a good X's and O's coach, and he'll get it figured out, get get it somewhat sorted out. You know, I mean, everybody forgets that Jimbo, when he first took over in Tallahassee, year one, year two, and year three, were uh, were not pretty, and it really wasn't a his a him problem, more it was you know a lot you know trying to get the roster straightened out and working with certain coaches the and whatnot, and you know, this, and there was a culture problem, with, you know, and and you know. He just had to get everything set up and straight, and you know he there's there's a lot of pressure on him to be ready to go right away because of how much money they're throwing at him, uh, and I and I get that like when you put that much money towards somebody you expect results quick and right away, but there needs to be an honest expectation here that he needs a couple of years. I think that's been the bigger problem that I've noticed this year in college football. Is everybody is ready to bury a coach so quickly. I mean, this isn't, you know, Jimbo took over an A&M team that couldn't get over the humps. you got to give him a minute to get that culture right and that locker room right so that they can, they can learn how to win and, and understand what it takes to get over that hump. Um, you know, it's the same problem we see in, in other places right now. So until that happens, I think A&M, I think they're fine. You seem to let – Jimbo to continue doing what he's doing uh, on the recruiting trail, and you see incremental improvements as it goes on. But I mean, that Clemson game last year was a complete fluke, and this year they got manballed. And you know, I, I just, I, I, I just don't understand why. You know, I mean, I get it. A and M's favored, but they're favored because essentially it's a Peckham, but because it's in College Station, you give them the points, right? Like it's. That's what it is. You give them the three, three and a half, four because in uh, it's at A and M. Um, you know, if this game was at Auburn, the line would be Auburn minus three and a half, four. Yeah, it would be. And you know, there's a revenge factor people talked about from last year. Let's take a call from the nine seven three area code. I don't know where that is, but but let's take it. You're on way in sports. Who's this? For the records in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, for new, to, uh, new new to the show, but yeah, new to the show, but not new to blog talk at all. Okay. Yeah. Well, what do you want to talk about tonight? Well, I was uh, turning to the pros uh, for a second. I mean, um, is Kyler Murray the real deal? I mean, he's had he's done pretty darn good for the first two games of his pro career. So um, so far, so good. Or uh, is it too soon to tell? about maybe him being Rookie of the Year so far? Well, I mean, he's second 
all time. First two games, he's thrown over yeah. 300 yards. I think I think Cam did 400. But honestly, I'm I'm impressed with him. I know a lot of people are down on him, but looking at what's around him in Arizona, I, I like him because he can he can make big plays at any time in the game. He just brings an energy to that team. Jonathan, tell me what you think about him. I I like Kyler. I mean, Tyler played really well again uh, this week, and it was a tougher test with Baltimore. Uh, and, and whereas, you know, he has a lot of talent and skill positions around him with guys like Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, the offensive line is an issue. And we've seen Tyler do kind of the same things that he's done in Oklahoma, where he's been able to escape pressure and still make uh, moves. And he's really good uh, with anticip- uh, anticipatory throws. Um, throwing some guys open, things of that nature. I mean, I'm impressed, but I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a surprise. I mean, the big knock on Kyler Murray coming out of college was his size; it wasn't his his ability. Um, and you know, Kyler uh, in the same vein as Baker, uh, as they will be compared with each other, seeing that they both won Heisman's and, and number one from the same schools with similar situations, being transfers from uh, other in-state universities. Um, you know, they've obviously both played well and and showcase that, hey, you know, sometimes it's not all about height, you know. And, and I think his athletic ability has really shined so far. Um, you know, we saw obviously a great matchup with him against Lamar Jackson, two guys with great arms and great athletic ability, mm-hmm. uh, doing a really good job in the passing attack today. I think highly of Kyler Murray. I think he could have a very good year. Arizona just needs to continue to build around him, and uh, that's a team that could be good in a couple of years. Mm, but yeah. this year, not a chance, right? <laughs> uh, right now, I have uh, Arizona more pegged as a five to six win team, uh, just because mm, they play a tough schedule. You have to play the Rams twice. You have to play San Fran and Seattle mm, twice, and all three of those teams look good. Uh, they also have to play uh, Tampa and then the AMC North. You know, Baltimore, obviously, who they lost to today, and you still have Cleveland and Pittsburgh on dock. Um, so, I mean, it, it, I think this year could be a little bit of a, a step back. Yeah, a troubling year for Arizona, especially the rookie head coach, somebody who's never coached at the NFL at this high of a level oh, before. Yeah. He's still learning things. I mean, I saw some horrible decision-making from Cliff Kingsbury today. So he needs to learn yes. how to uh, be a better coach. Yeah, you never know as rookie coaches, especially the ones, you know, coming into it. Because, you know, it takes time to build up the chemistry with the teams and the coach. So I don't find it really surprising at all. Yeah, and let's not forget Cliff was so fired from Tech. So, I mean, you took a fired head coach at a college level and made him a pro head coach. So that's going to be obviously, you know, again, it's going to be kind of a shaky thing. Don't you agree, Brian? Yeah, I do. And But I, I do like the, the energy, though, from this team. And I think you got some veterans on there. You know, you got Fitzgerald to kind of help, help Colin Murray and maybe even help the head coach, too, because – I mean, coaching at Texas Tech in the Big 12 and getting fired and then getting a job in the NFL, that that kind of caught my attention. I'm not going to lie to you. It's like, okay, who, who does he have the pictures of or the, the film of to get someone in trouble to be able to get a job in the NFL? But I like Colin Murray. The kid is phenomenal, just a person in general. And that's what I look at, his athletic abilities there. I mean, he tore up Alabama's defense, so did Clemson, though, but – I just like his character of this kid. I think he's a real good kid, uh, great baseball player. He decided not to play baseball, which he was phenomenal at. Yeah. So I'll, I think he chose the right sport 
honestly, to, to make some money right now. I think it's in a couple of years they're going to be real good again. They just have to draft very well, maybe make some, some trades that they need to, or pick up some free agents, but they need to protect them. The number one thing Arizona needs to do is make sure they protect that investment. And if they do that, I, I think everything's going to be fine. But, buddy, thanks for your call. Join us anytime. We'd love to hear back from you. Um, hey, I'm, I was wrong about Kyler Murray myself. I didn't think he would come out doing this. Um, two 300-yard games in a row. I mean, in the preseason, Jonathan, when I watched them play, they didn't look like they could get a first down, but they've come a long way since the preseason. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there were a lot of issues and growing pains in the preseason with him learning that he can't keep doing the clapping thing in the NFL. That's a false start on the quarterback. Uh, to just getting the system down, at which he already kind of had a base on the Kingsbury system. He knew what he was getting into there. Um, you know, it was just kind of figuring out the speed of the game. And that was one thing that I've noticed with Kyler is the, the biggest difference even between week one and week two was in week one, he would try to run a little bit and realize, uh-oh, that linebacker's on top of me already. When in college, that wouldn't happen, right? You're not looking at uh, uh, that amount of speed all the time in every position. Um, so it's been very interesting to watch him uh, progress and perform since week one of the preseason, uh, you know, it's just, it, again, I mean, I, I expected this. I really did. I, I, you know, I don't know if I expected Kingsbury to be able to latch on as well. I mean, think about it. Cliff Kingsbury and Leonard Fitzgerald were in college at the same time. I mean, that's, that's kind of the amazing thing here with the, with, with what Kingsbury is doing is how young he is, is that he has guys on his roster that he, he possibly could have played against in college. Well, let's get back to college real quick, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention the the class that Georgia showed the fan base this weekend. Uh, Arkansas State coach, if people didn't know, his wife died here recently of breast cancer, and and Georgia, you know, dressed up in pink, you know, to represent her. But I made a joke of not about his wife, but that that was Florida coming to town. They wouldn't be wearing pink. But it, it was Arkansas State coming to town. They knew it was in the bag, so they did something to make the coach feel better. Um, we, we, we agree with me on that, Jonathan. If that was the Gators coming to town, do you think Georgia would have been supportive? Um, I mean, I still think you do the pink out. I, I, I do, but I'm with you. I, I don't I don't think guys are uh, are are painting themselves with the coaches. Uh, wife's name and whatnot. Like, I, I do think there's a little bit of a difference there. But, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, great class shown by uh, that fan base, Matt, and the university, the institution as a whole, uh, as Blake Anderson has gone through, obviously, a really tough time. I mean, this is a battle that she fought for uh, a number of years. And, uh, you know, he, he still hasn't really gone back to coaching, coaching. Uh, he's just been kind of going to the games. He surprised the team last week in the game in Nevada. You know, this week he traveled with them. Uh, and I, I just wish him the best through this extremely tough time for him and, and his children and, and, and the rest of the family because uh, I, I, I honestly could not imagine um, what they're all going through um, with this. That, that, that is just a situation that I, I myself am unfamiliar with. Yeah. Jason, uh, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, it was an incredible 
um, act of kindness by Joseph Pants. Um, but I, but I agree. I think if Florida was playing them in Athens, I think they would break out the pink. But it wasn't wouldn't be that much. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, let me ask you this: This is off the subject, but why is it, Jonathan, that I hate Florida more? No matter who the coach is or whatever, who the players are, they're just a bunch of punks in Florida, man. Watching that game last night, these guys—I <laughs> thought Dan Mullen would turn turn them around a little bit. They're still just a bunch of punks. I cannot stand Florida. I, I cannot stand watching them. They're—I cannot believe they're in the top ten. In the polls, and you, you move Michigan out of the top ten, but you're gonna put you're gonna keep Florida up in there. Why? Because they beat Kentucky and they're the nine point favorite last night. I mean, come on. <laughs> if, 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 if Frank hadn't left that game last night, they would have lost. We know that. I mean, Florida got fired up. They played. They got. They were upset and everything. But why do I can't? I mean, I can stand Alabama more than I can Florida. That's that's bad for me. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say that. But uh, Florida, I know now why you hate them so bad, Jonathan. They're just a bunch of punks. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's 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 some other deep seated stuff when it comes to the in-state rivalry that that transcends off the field. Um, I mean, I, I we we could do an entire show uh, where I could explain to you why I hate Florida so much. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, when it comes to the on-the-field product, I don't know why anybody expected too much of a change uh, when Dan Mullen was kind of – I mean, he, he showed that side. You know, he, he was a definitely poked the bear with Ole Miss uh, numerous times in any way that he could. And then he is somebody that was at Florida before and learned under Meyer um, certain things. And Florida has a hard time right now with not only getting kids into school as a third of their – recruiting class did not make it on the campus this year. Um, but with their on-the-field product, you do see some issues where guys are a little undisciplined, which does seem to kind of be a problem within the big three as a whole in the state of Florida, uh, and, and obviously other things. I mean, look, I, I, people don't like Florida because they get, pu- they get pushed up when they shouldn't. Um, they won't go and really schedule anybody anywhere. You know, I mean, it's not like Alabama where Alabama's like, okay, well, we'll play you. You know, we'll play Wisconsin. We'll play USC. We'll play Michigan. We'll play Florida State. We'll play Duke. You know, Alabama's got no issue playing somebody. They just don't want to play you at your house. You know, they'll they'll meet you in Atlanta or they'll meet you in Dallas. Uh, Whereas Florida's like, man, we don't want to leave the state. You want to play us, you got to come here. And everybody just looks at me and goes, what? No. You know, I mean, it's just – it. It's the whole thing. Yeah, There's like, a whole thing with like, Florida. It's like Central Florida. Central Florida wanted to play them. They're like, okay, you give us two games in Florida, we'll give you one there. And they're like, no, we're not. We're not. We're not doing two two road games here for one home. That would be crazy. Um, just admit, Florida, you don't have the balls to play them. I mean, they, trust me, I wouldn't want to play Central Florida either after watching them what they did to Stanford last night. I I, I mean, you know. Uh, uh, USF and Miami um, will play each other, and usually that's a one-for-one scheduling. All right, and FSU, when they play USF, it's a one-for-one scheduling. So UCF expects the same thing when they go to play somebody. 
Uh, and, you know, you expect that, you know, they expect that when they went to play Florida, hey, it'll be one for one. And Florida's like, no. And everybody's telling UCF, shut down, sh- you know, shut up, sit down, you know, know your place. And UCF's like, well, wait a minute. Within the state, this has been what's been going on. We we just followed the pattern. Why does Florida think that they're better than Florida State or better than Miami? Um, you know, and, and that's, that's really the frustration is that Florida has this thing where they continually have the superiority complex to everybody. And everybody looks at me and goes, what have you done? Like, until Steve Spurrier showed up, you guys were known for nothing but Gatorade. Um, you know, and yet they feel that they are the kings of everybody. Yeah. I just, I just don't like them. Jason, uh, your Oregon Ducks, man, I mean, I don't want to short them or anything, but they look pretty good the last couple of weeks after that loss. Um, talk about your Ducks a minute, and then I want Jonathan to talk about Florida State, what his thoughts are, and then we're going to talk a little baseball before we go. Yeah, about Oregon, um, the defense of it looks good. Yeah, the opponent, Nevada and Montana, they're not two-pack trophy standards. But for me as a Ducks fan, it's, it's pleasing to me because it occurs to me that no matter the opponent, the defense is playing good, and I like that. Hopefully Oregon could carry that three to Stanford. This well, Jason, I'm going to tell you, the, watching the physicality of your team, um, and, and I'm not saying this just because we won. I mean, I was blown away. My father-in-law was watching it with me, and I was like, I'm just surprised that they're manhandling us. Like, your offensive line was standing up. Physicality of it, able to run the football for some, you know, not a lot, but they were manning up, not afraid to. The defensive line, physicality of it. Cristobal, um, he has made some questionable decisions, you know, as a head coach, but he'll he'll get better. But I'm impressed. And Jonathan, you can comment on this. I'm impressed with what I've seen physicality from Oregon-wise. I like what I see, and thank God they were without about 12 players that night. They played us, or would be 2-1 right now. Yeah, I mean, this is something I expected. If you watched Oregon last year, you knew their offensive line was going to be mean and nasty. It was all about would the defense take the next step this year, and they have shown improvement and looked better, and I do think that is because of uh, maybe a coordinator change. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I expect good things from Oregon this year. It's a good ball club. It is. Jason, one question about Oregon. Who, who do you have grooming to – to replace the quarterback once he leaves. I mean, do you have somebody waiting in the wings that can that can take over? Yeah, we got um, a freshman quarterback named Taylor Suck. He played against Nevada. Look, he did very good. He's out of Chandler, Arizona, and then he was like the number one or number two quarterback in Arizona. Um, he was actually the recruit that Stayed with Hogan even when Rody Tiger visited him before he went to Florida State. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to turn it over to Jonathan for a minute. And, and look, I know it's frustrating when your team is winning every game and you just know that, that something's going wrong. Jonathan, I saw your tweets and everything like saying, 
hey, guys, why are y'all celebrating Florida State's up at halftime? Big surprise here, you know. Like, I just felt like you knew something was coming, Jonathan. And I know it's frustrating with a team that was so prominent like Florida State, playing for national championships, to be in this position that they're in right now. Give me a give me a feel what you feel real quick, offense, defense, and give me your thoughts on Taggart. And is he the guy for the job in your opinion? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I uh, I was not shy last night about uh, well, about what wound up happening. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a team that blew uh, a double-digit lead in their first two weeks, and you know, has shown to look good in the first half, and the second half kind of melt down. Um, you know, what I noticed offensively last night is the offensive line still not good. That's an issue. Uh, if you notice. All of our runs tend to go to the right side of the line because we do not trust our left tackle. Um, James Blackman had some problems last night, and that drives me a little nuts. Uh, you know, I love James, and the team loves James, but he had some issues last night. Um, on one of the third downs, he missed, you know, he misfired to the tight end. It was low without realizing that our slot receiver was uncovered in the end zone. Uh, you know, that's a problem. There were a couple other plays like that where, you know, he missed some hit shots. And on that final drive where he missed a wide-open carry for the touchdown, you just knew that drive wasn't going to end well. And obviously it didn't with that final play, which was all sorts of discombobulated and whatnot. Uh, defensively, we played really well for three quarters. And, and look, Bryce Perkins is slippery. I'm not mad that they missed a bunch of tackles on him. I'm mad at some of the angles our guys uh, took, especially Janarius Robinson and um, Joshua Kando at the same time. They're not used uh, used to uh, playing stand-up backer spots, and they're going to take poor angles because at the end of the day, they've been four or three defensive ends their whole career, and to ask them to all of a sudden try and play linebacker has been kind of a mess. Uh, and I hope Kando recovers well from his injury. It looks very serious. Um you know, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, this is an undisciplined team. We had five personal foul penalties in the fourth quarter, and that's an issue that needs to be cleaned up. Uh, Marvin Wilson with an incredibly stupid one that about blew my top off, considering he's a captain of this team and has played extremely well for us. Um, and Virginia's a good ball club. I mean, they are. Hats off to Virginia. It's a team that I thought we were going to lose to before the season started. That's why after the game last night, I wasn't, like, mad. It was one of the things where it's like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, like, oh, we lost the game we were supposed to. Damn. You know, I mean, it is what it is, right? Um, do I think Willie Taggart's the man for the job still? Yeah. We've seen improvements from year one to year two. It may not be showing uh, in the win-loss column, but we're seeing improvements. You know, last year we would have lost to Virginia by 20 points. Last year, we don't lead at halftime against Boise State. Last year, we probably lose to Monroe. Um, you know, so, I mean, this is a team that is playing better. The offense looks miles ahead of what it was last year. The defense is getting better. I think as this team uh, becomes more adjusted to the scheme, and we just hired a, a new analyst who um, happens to know this scheme really well, Jason is, is knows our who our new defensive analyst is. Um, he'll probably be a defensive coordinator next year, for being completely honest. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean I, I'm more disappointed in this fan base than I am in Coach Taggart and the coaching staff and the players. Uh, this fan base has 
has not been willing to let Coach Taggart succeed since day one. I think there's a multitude of reasons behind that. Um, you know, we saw some some booster had his kid set up a lemonade stand and sell $20 cups of lemonade today uh, to help uh, raise funds for the buyout for Coach Taggart, and that bothers me. Um, you know, look, guys, <laughs> Coach Taggart took over a program that went 7-6, and six, and in all reality, if we hadn't rescheduled the hurricane game, we wouldn't have gone to a bowl game, okay? We go 5-7 and seven last year. With, the, with one of the worst offensive lines you're ever going to see. I mean, this is a Florida State team that had two yards total for the entire season rushing before contact. It's the worst ever. You know, I mean, we're seeing improvement. We're seeing more buy-in. I'm loving the recruiting we're doing. I think we need to hit the offensive line recruiting a little better. But, you know, I mean, that kind of is what it is. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think there's positives to take away from this. I think everybody needs to just, Step back and breathe and let it be. This is not uh, the sky is falling situation in Tennessee. Even though I think people need to let Jeremy Pruitt breathe because he didn't take over some golden situation. Just like they need to let Chip Kelly breathe because he didn't take over a great situation either. You know, there's there's multiple coaches right now that people are like, oh my God, the sky is falling. And, you know, between Coach Taggart and and Coach Kelly and Coach Pruitt and uh, Coach Frost, where everybody's a little nervous. And it's like, guys, give him a minute. Like, come on. Like, I mean, this this society, it's gotten worse every year, Jonathan. Like, if I notice Mm -hmm. every year, it gets worse on coaches. Like, I think the younger kids are, they they don't know what patience and hard work and building something means. Building something means it can take time. And it's refreshing to hear you sitting here. I mean, it'd be easy for you to come on here and bash your team and say, fire his ass, it's over, you know, we got, we're Florida State, but you're like, you see the, you see what's coming, you see the improvement. That's where a lot of people that don't know football, they're going to come in and say, fire his ass and do this. And I'm not saying, I'm not guilty of it too with Gus sometimes, I've said it before, but that's stupidity on my part and emotion. And, uh, you know, if he loses the A&M this week, I'm not going to say fire him unless he did something just stupid. But, again, people don't realize when you fire a coach, you start all the way over and just mm-hmm. about everything in recruiting and all the players you have in there already are from that coach for the most part. Now you're putting somebody else with them. Sometimes it works. You know, you, you fire Gene Chizik, Gus Malzahn steps in and, and wins a national cha- or plays for a national championship, loses to Florida State. But – it's not always like that. I think people see Alabama, they see Georgia winning, you know, and they just want to hit Clemson, and they think all of a sudden their program needs to be like that. But I think Taggart is a coach. He wouldn't be at Florida State if he wasn't. Remember year one to Nick Saban when he lost to Louisiana Monroe? Like, yeah. you know, it, 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 I mean, what did Nick Saban do? What, did, what was one of the things Nick Saban did? After that first season, he went into the boosters room and said, shut up and let me do my job or fire me. Pick one. They all shut up, let him do his job, and we see what's happened, right? You know, I mean, Kirby Smart's first year was not great. And obviously, Kirby Smart's had moments since then where people look at him and go, do you know what you're doing? I mean, just look back at the fake punt in the conference championship game last year. Um, You know, I mean, so... Like, they all go through this. Everybody has their bumps. Jimbo Fisher took over an FSU program that had problems. Took him 
His fourth season, we won the conference, went to the Orange Bowl, and won it, and set the overall national title. Like, up until that point, it was still kind of a mess. Like, you know, and nowadays, for coaches, it's even harder because you, that first year you're taking over, majority of the very good players are signing in December now, right? So you kind of lose that first signing class that everybody kind of points to. Um so, you know, you don't really get to judge a coach until his, his, what, what really his first signing class would is in all reality his second, right? And, and then from there, so, you know, year ones for everybody are now year zeros for new coaches. So when you fire a coach before year five, you never let him really get a full program in. Uh, you know, that, that's an issue. You have to give these coach before I've always said give a coach three years, you can figure out what he is. Now I'm telling you, give a coach four years, you can figure out what he is. Year five is the, is the make or break it year. Every coaching contract should be five years. And by the end of the fifth year, you know what you got or you don't. They don't want to do that. I mean, no fan base wants to wait five years. I mean, they want it now. And, Jason, you, I mean, you, you come from a program, Oregon, that, that was – playing for Rose Bowl, playing for national championships, and I don't remember you going out saying fire the coach every time when y'all when y'all struggled for a little while. So you were, what's the guy's name? I can't even remember his name. The Helfrich? Mark yeah, Mark Helfrich. Yeah. You, you, you supported him, didn't you? Yeah, until like a couple of weeks of the season to go when we lost yeah. to Oregon I mean, State. That's how yeah. I was with once, once, once I saw, once I saw Chizik lose the team, that's when I said, "Okay, it's time to go." I mean, yeah, he won a national championship, but it's refreshing to see people understand that, you know, like Gus. I mean, he's put together his system in there. He's becoming a head coach, learning how to win and learning expectations, learning defenses in the SEC, learning just the job and. You look at Auburn, just for instance. I mean, we sucked at times, but you look, we're pretty solid. I mean, he's made good coaches don't have good, great coaches working for him. I think Kevin Steele's one of the best in the business, Rodney Garner, too. They wouldn't stay and work for a clown, you know. And, like, these Auburn fans are the worst when it comes to – they think Auburn should go 15-0 um, every year and win a national championship or else fire his ass. I'm telling you, if Auburn goes nine and three this year, you'll that would be a great season, by the way, with this schedule. But you'll hear so many people saying, "Fine, fine, get him out of here." But you know, me and you, all of us know on this phone, if Auburn with this schedule goes nine and three, Gus should be considered for Coach of the Year with a freshman quarterback. Couldn't we all agree on that? Yeah. Nine and three is probably what the peak is. I mean, if, if they win 10, great. If they won it all, great. But let's be realistic. And let's just, let's just get better every game and see what happens. I mean, Bo Nix is going to be with us for at least two more years after this, maybe three. I mean, Joey Gatewood, the same thing. You don't, you don't know what's coming around the corner and what's special. But I just know that college football is special, and it, it, it's not something you can just, just step in and win all of a sudden. I mean, you have to build and build and build. But, Jason, you don't like baseball, do you? No, I, I like baseball. I, I'm not 
an expert in it, but I like baseball. Well, I was wanting Jonathan's thoughts about uh, Fernando Rodney nailing a guy right in the face last night or yesterday and uh, the umpire calling his strike. What do you think about that? Um, I'm obviously it's a horrible situation. Um, you know, I mean, in all reality, you know, nobody feels worse than Fernando Rodney. Uh, Fernando Rodney, you know, former Tampa Bay Ray, uh, somebody who's been around the league a lot. Uh, you know, he's in his 40s, he's still pitching, and, and, and it's a real shame with what happened. I mean, that that's kind of been the bugaboo with Rodney this year has been his control, and it's unfortunate that he caught Culberson square flush the way he did. And, and I feel bad for everybody involved in that, and especially Charlie. I hope he comes back. Uh, I was a little mad in the way that um, it was handled. A, you had the uh, you had the opposing manager come out there and, and you know appeal for the strike and get it. Um, that's 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 kind of crappy. And then looking at it from an umpire standpoint, uh, yeah, that's really bad. And what makes it even worse is he didn't actually. <laughs> That's technically not a strike because he didn't, you know, he no. technically didn't break. He, he didn't offer. He didn't uh, that offer. makes it even worse. Yeah, like he's yeah, pulling back he as he's getting hit. Yeah, and the another thing is the the Nationals coach leaving Rodney in after that, knowing how upset he probably was, and then just letting him continue to pitch and get hammered because you know Rodney wasn't going inside anymore. After that, right. and the Braves just teed, teed off on him. Um, man, this Braves team right now is playing phenomenal baseball. It's uh, it's amazing to see the chemistry with this team and, and how the pitching is getting better. Uh, the bullpen's getting better. They're having fun playing. They did lose today, but, I mean, all you do in baseball is you win series. And uh, yeah. Braves won the first two on the road in the night. I've learned that now in baseball, Jonathan. It's not about you can't win every game. You just try to win the series or split on the road if you have to, you know. Just just try yeah. to do and the, and the Braves have done a real good job in doing that where they find themselves, you know, depending on the outcome tonight, three games out of first place in the National League. But if you're the Braves, do you really want that number one overall seed? Or would you, in playing somebody like the Nationals or Cubs or Brewers, or would you rather play the Cardinals if you're the Braves? Uh, I, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't, <clears throat> I don't think it very much matters from that standpoint. If you're the Braves, you're trying to get the number one overall seed because when you play the Dodgers in the NLCS, uh, you'd rather have four at home. Um, to me, that's the big thing here. Is you want those four home games against the Dodgers, you want to make them come east um, and try and beat you in your house uh, more than anything. Um, I don't think that there's two National League teams outside of the uh, Braves or Dodgers that um, that are that are that good. Um, you know, I mean, I agree. just look at the standpoint that none of them would be playoff teams in the American League. You know what I mean? Um, exactly. And that's kind of how I look exactly. at it. Exactly. The American League is loaded. Is Tampa going to make the playoffs? Um, I mean, I have full faith and full belief that, that the Rays will, will make the playoffs. Uh, they're a game and a half up on Cleveland for the last wild card spot. They're a game and a half back of Oakland for home field in that game. Um, I want to play Oakland. 
Uh, personally, I think the Rays match up really well with Oakland and can beat them. Um, I would obviously prefer the game be at home because if it is, I'm probably going to go to it. Um, if not, I, you know, it is what it is. We'll go to Oakland, we'll, we'll beat you, and we'll we'll move on to, you know, either Houston, New York, whoever pulls uh, home feet, the number one overall seed in the American League out. Um, you know, but I, I think the I think the Rays have a really good shot. You know, won the series with the Angels uh, this weekend. Uh, tough series with Texas, but you know, as I'd like to say, it's all about winning two. For every series you're in the regular season, you're trying to get two. Whether that's a split, uh, whether that's you know taking two out of three, whatever it is, you're just trying to win two. And the Rays have done a really good job of of consistently uh, seeming to be winning two games every series. Uh, Blake Snell is back. Uh, this week as we play the Dodgers. Uh, he will start Tuesday's game. Tyler Glasnow came back Saturday uh, through 50 pitches against the Angels, cranked it up to 100 miles an hour. Uh, so our pitching staff is getting healthy uh, at the right time. Yanni Chirinos is the only guy missing at this point. And, um, I mean, it's a, it's a deep team. It's a good team. We've got, we've got, you know, good offense, good bullpen, good starting pitching. I think the Rays can really put this together. Uh, and, you know, whoever they face in the uh, – and the divisional series will be a tough matchup, whether it's the Astros or the Yankees. Personally, I'd rather face the Astros, uh, just because the Yankees seem to have our number this year. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm excited. It's it's been it's been fun. It, it really has been. It's been really fun. And after winning 90 games last year and still being seven games out of a playoff spot, it's really nice to be in the the, the thick of it. And the, we're on pace for our best record regular season record ever. And considering that, you know, this team didn't start winning until a decade ago, you know, so this is, this is really fun for us. Well, I like looking at teams like when you look at a complete team, you look at that road record and Tampa Bay on the road, 46 and 30 phenomenal road record. And that's Mm -hmm. Minnesota. I think they're the best in baseball at 50 and 25. It's hard to figure that one out. That's a good ball club, but the Braves too, Mm -hmm. You look at what the Braves do on the road. They they've played better on the road just about than at home. So that one's tough to figure out. The Dodgers forty and thirty four. They're six games over five hundred. But you start looking at St. Louis, the division leader, thirty six and thirty eight on the road. Washington is uh, forty and thirty five. They're a winning team, but the Braves forty six and thirty. That's phenomenal. But Here's what I'm thinking real quick. If the Dodgers do wrap up that one seed and the Nationals come out of the wild card, how dangerous is the Nationals with that pitching staff? They've got three real good pitchers. Uh, two aces, really, Strasburg and um, uh, Scherzer. Um, how dangerous would they be to the Dodgers? Um, I mean, the Nationals, uh, pitching-wise, would be a dangerous team. Uh, you know, you have uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, uh, Corbin, and uh, even Annabelle Sanchez, who's but, made a complete career but, but, revitalization but the this year. Sucks, but the yeah. bullpen is awful, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bad. I mean, it's bad. The Nationals but, have I mean, a, a good closer and a doolittle. Everything else is very touch-and-go. <laughs> Um, you know, their lineup isn't the worst I've seen. Um, I can't name you their catcher, to be completely honest with you. Um, but, you know, having a guy like Juan Soto and Victor Robles and Anthony Rendon, who has put himself in the MVP talks yeah. uh, for the National League. I mean, the Nationals do have some have a, a potent offense. 
Uh, it's also a team that's never won a playoff series. And if you're the Dodgers, you do have to be kind of nervous about them. Um, but I think pitching-wise, the Dodgers can, can go arm for arm uh, with, uh, with the Nationals. And I think overall they're, they have a deeper lineup and they're a better team. Um, you know, I mean, it's a five-game series. It, it, that, that, that's the thing, is that the better team usually wins out because it is a five-game, seven-game series uh, once you get past. Um, and, you know, when you got to win multiples, you know, the, the depth matters. And that's where I think the Dodgers so is it, so is it ha- just a have a massive game? edge. Is it just a five game? Uh, for the divisional series, it is. It's five. I thought they – why did I think they changed that for for some reason? I thought it was – I thought it was seven. So, divisional and then National League Championship or American League Championship, seven. And then – Yeah. That's okay. like the whole series. For some – some reason I thought it was seven, but five is plenty enough at that stage of the game. But the thing is, you play 162 games in a year, and it's like the wild card series. Ought to be like the best of three or something. I don't know, but one game to play that many games and to, to play one game to see if you're in the playoffs. I like the two wild cards. Don't get me wrong, I like that, but I wish to see you know them get a better chance than that. That's just it's hard well, right I mean, I'm just glad we, we won't be a wild card. Yeah, I mean, it's a one-game playoff, and then you're playing your first game of the next round two days later. So your pitching staff just gets set back, and, and your ace, instead of getting two runs in the series, will only get one. And that, that's the problem with being a wild card, is you really do get handed this advantage. Um, now, or if it was a three-game series, and let's play the three games and come back next week, it'd be different. But that's that's not what Major League Base wants to do. They want to incentivize uh, being a division champion, uh, which I do understand uh, at the same time. Um, I mean, I also believe divisions are stupid. So it's it, 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 it kind of it is what it is, right? Like, you know, you just got to hope your yeah. team's good enough and, and wins enough games to where they're not in a situation. Or if you're in my case, you just hope to, to get to that situation because, good God, the Yankees are just racking up wins left and right. Yeah, and the Astros look good, too. Well, guys, mm-hmm. we're going to have to cut it. And uh, we're 10 minutes away, but uh, next week we'll be back and we'll talk about the games are going to – we got some big games coming up, Notre Dame, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Auburn, Texas A&M. I mean, we've got a lot to, to review next week to see. Uh, but I don't know. I, I would love to see Notre Dame go into Athens and knock them out. That would be that would be very sweet to see that. So I'll be pulling for Notre Dame this weekend. I'll be pulling for Wisconsin, um, and I'll be pulling for my Tigers, of course. Who does Florida State have this weekend? Uh, we host Louisville at three thirty, so I will not be able to watch your game. Okay, uh, Jason, who do you guys play? Who do the Ducks play? Make it Stanford this week, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. I think they're like a nine-point favorite Oregon is over yeah, Stanford, Stanford on the road. So, Seven o'clock. Uh, yeah, Stanford. Stanford's just not the team. Stanford's not the same team they are, have been in years past. I mean, USC beat them pretty good. We know USC's terrible right now. Um, Oregon should run away. I, I think Oregon's going to win the Pac-12. 
And and Jason, you better hope Auburn keeps winning and winning and winning, and you guys keep winning and winning because you need Auburn to be very good right now. You don't want to make it be twelve and one sitting outside waiting to get in the playoffs if Auburn loses three or four games. You, you got to hope they they continue <laughs> to roll. Well, Oregon got to win on the road first before they get to think about the pack So, yeah. Uh, they will. Gotta win the Somewhere. games in front of you. Yep, every game's important. It's a one-game playoff every week. So, uh, A&M's our focus this week is an Auburn team, and these guys better be ready to play. Anytime you go on the road in any conference, it doesn't matter, SEC, ACC, Pac-12, you're in for a dogfight. So, take nothing for granted in college football. Well, guys, great show. Thanks for joining me. We had a lot of fun tonight talking some football, baseball. It's, uh, it's. I mean, it's early in the season, but it'll be gone before we know it. So we have to take advantage of it and, and enjoy it. So, guys, have a great week. And if we do a show during the week this week, I'll let you guys know. If we do, it'll probably be on Thursday night. If you guys are available, uh, just let me know. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm off work this week, so I'll make it just earlier than that. So. Everybody take care. God bless, and we'll see you soon. All right, brother. All right. See y'all.